Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bed, Back, and Beyond, a video podcast series dedicated to sharing positive recovery from serious neck and back injury. The goal is to bring hope to you that may be currently suffering in the most painful time in your life. I'm Christine, and with me today is my husband, Dan. Hi. Dan will be interviewing me because I am a herniated disc survivor uh, back in 2019. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Dan, thanks so much for agreeing to do this with me. Sure. Happy to help you. All right. So Christine, why don't you start by telling us how you hurt your back in the first place? Okay. So it started in April of 2019. I was walking our two dogs, two beagles, Porthos and Tiberius. And uh, we're just walking around the neighborhood and I was bending over to pick up after one of them, like a very responsible pet owner that I am. And as I was bending over, they must have seen a rabbit or a squirrel because they took off running behind me. They didn't pull me down, but I did have to slam my leg back to catch me. And that sent like an immediate pain in my right butt cheek. And I had to hobble home and that pain lived in my butt cheek for a couple weeks and then it moved into my back to the point where I felt like I threw my back out which is like a normal experience for me every other year I would throw my back out and then the pain shifted after several you know when you throw your back out usually you are recovered within three weeks but my pain just started shifting and I noticed it was hanging around a lot longer and then it just shifted to my left butt cheek to the point where it was a painful pinching. Any Anytime I would stand up, I would have to stand up from driving or getting out of bed. And I would have to like catch myself and catch my breath and just wait for that pain to dissipate until June, the end of June. Tell us <laughs> what happened at the end of June then. End of June is when I herniated my disc. I We were getting up to get ready for my cousin's wedding. And you had, you had noticed the trouble that I was having getting out of bed in the morning. So you had already made your way to my side of the bed to help me up. But I just remember... Well, you had been having some slowly over the, the week leading up to that, you were having trouble getting out of bed. Yes. So we already knew that this was sort of an issue. Yes. And standing just standing up from the car rides. It was so right. like a pinching, just a pinching in my tush. So... <laughs> Uh, so you had gotten up before me and you were walking over to my side of the bed just to help me up. And I rolled over and got hit with the worst pain in my life. Uh, I think you said I let, let out a yell. Yeah. This excruciating scream that was unlike anything I had ever heard anyone <laughs> noise that I hadn't heard anyone make before. <laughs> or since. Very troubling to <laughs> yeah. have come out of your life. And then uh, I can just remember like writhing and, and trying to find a position just to, to make that pain go away. Um, and of course it wouldn't. Uh, and then you, you tried to get me out of bed, which we did eventually. And, um, you know, I had to use the bathroom. So you're trying I think you put me down on the floor because you're picking me up and I'm just saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. It was just a slow process of getting you to the point where we could get you to sit up mm -hmm. and eventually get you to stand up very temporarily before lowering you down to the floor mm -hmm. where you were at least a little more comfortable on a 
firm surface, but it was, it took a long, the whole morning was just very long. And I think the other thing that was kind of going on was you were very determined to get to this wedding. Jenna. <laughs> and it was just a slow process of not only trying to get you comfortable, but get to that point where, okay, I think we need to call the ambulance. Uh-huh. We need to get you to the hospital. And I was a little, I think I was a little hesitant at first. Like we don't need the ambulance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was, there was some, we can get through this and, and yeah. maybe some denial that it was quite as bad as it was because we didn't know what was going on. Right. Although as soon as you let out that, that cry, it was clear something significant had happened. And yeah. More than what we were dealing with before for the last few months. Yeah. So it took two hours to get me from the bedroom to the living room. And that was all one floor. And then you put me onto the couch and we waited for the ambulance to come and go to the ER to just to find out that I most likely had a herniated disc because they, they didn't do an MRI then. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were expecting some sort of imaging or something like that. So it was a little frustrating that we left the ER without any clear answers, mm-hmm. but they did give you pain medicine that helped. And prednisone. Prednisone. Like a strong three day yes. course of yeah. prednisone. Yeah. And that kind of got you to a point where it was, the pain was manageable. Yes. Enough for you to then get to uh, your first doctor appointment with a back pain specialist. Right. So that so, was a week later. Right. So, Christine, then you met with the, the back pain specialist, and there were a few things that you did, but you ultimately elected for surgery mm-hmm. and fairly quickly settled on the decision to have surgery. So why don't you walk us through the process of quickly meeting with that back pain specialist, what you did leading up to surgery, and then why you made that decision? Sure. So... The follow-up with the back pain after the ER was the following week. He made me do all these, like, stand up on your tippy toes and bending my leg back and all this stuff to say, yes, you have a herniated disc, and he ordered the MRI. He was someone against surgery, so he wanted me to see his partner, who was the cortisone injection doctor. Uh, So we had to schedule a follow-up with the cortisone or consult, I'm sorry, with the cortisone, which was the following week. And at that consult, we we went thinking that I would actually get the cortisone that day. So we were a little frustrated to know like, oh, it was just the consult. Like it's been, at that point, it was three weeks. And so he was able to get us in pretty, the following week after the consult. So my my cortisone was, injection was July 20, Monday, July 22nd. So the herniation was June 29th. First cortisone injection was July 22nd. And they tell you. The entire time you are out of work, Mm -hmm. spending most of the day, any, I think even sleeping on the couch in the living room, because that was the most comfortable place for you. And crying a lot. Sure. (laughs) So this was a long three week wait to get to Mm -hmm. the first cortisone injection. Right. So then tell us about your experience with that. Um. The doctor, the cortisone injection doctor was very nice, had a great bedside manner. Um, He did make me feel very hopeful. And so we were able to get the cortisone injection. I did, you can opt to be put to sleep for the injection, but I just took Valium um, because we didn't have health insurance. So less money, the better. Um, So I just took some Valium for the injection and it actually was very comfortable experience, but they tell you it takes two weeks to get the full effect. 
So I was, I did see some improvement. I think I would say it brought my pain down to a seven versus it was at a 10 and was doing okay. And then I tripped. I was going up the steps quickly uh, because I was in the rush and my foot caught at the top step and I swung my bad leg out and caught myself. So I didn't fall, but that jarring, it just immediately put me back to a level 10. And I was on the floor. I had to call Dan because you were at work. So mm-hmm. I had to have you come home, get me off the floor. And uh, at the same time, so we're in, at the same time of the, after the cortisone injection, we started to think that maybe we should consult with a surgeon. So in between my first shot and my follow-up visit with the shot, we actually went and just had a consult with a neurosurgeon about surgery. Yeah, there were a couple of things going on at the same time where you had a little bit of an adverse reaction. Yes, my leg swelled and my ankle and my foot all swelled. And it gave you, if I remember right, it gave you a little bit of an, a feeling of you weren't feeling quite yourself. Jittery and my vision was a little blurry at times. Yeah, so that mixed with the it did bring you back to some level of functionality. Still nowhere near ready to go back to work. No, but I could walk around. Yeah. Uh, I was driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, some degree of functionality, but then that was all immediately wiped out with that trip. Yes. And so the feeling of, of unease and some of the other symptoms compi- combined with the sort of rolling back to square one was mm-hmm. enough to at least have you seriously exploring surgery. Right. Was there anything else that led to you making that clear cut decision of, okay, I want to do surgery. Well, the the main thing was that it just didn't make sense in my mind that there was something out of place in my body and causing me pain. So I just wanted to get in there and get out, get it out of there to stop causing me pain. I wanted to go back to work. I had lots of guilt feelings for some reason for missing. I was the one not getting paid, but I was feeling guilty because my boss had to look for temps and things. So I had all this guilt on me, not from you, honey. Um, Cause, but we weren't in one income family. So I wasn't working. I didn't, I was per diem. So I didn't have any kind of sick day or disability. And uh, so there was just one day when I was at home alone, kind of upset sitting there struggling, which decision do I make? And I get a phone call from your mom, actually. Hi, Chris. <laughs> How are you? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm just, I think I want to do surgery, but I'm not sure if it's the right decision. And your dad was in the car and I had no idea. And he just went ding, 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 ding. That's what you should be doing. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> that's the answer I was looking for. So that kind of helped solidify that. Yeah, I, I need surgery. And in addition to the cortisone shot, you were also, you had at least begun a little bit of Mm -hmm. physical therapy. therapy. Yes. Uh, Yep. So I, uh, I can't actually remember where it fell in between the cortisone first or, you know, all that stuff, but I did try some physical therapy uh, before surgery and it really wasn't making a difference. And we find out why later it wasn't helping at all. 
And uh, at one point during physical therapy, I was just doing these side movements because I did the whole walking with the tilt. So there's a there's a movement to kind of help correct that. And I start to pass out. Um, and it turns out that I had a tear in my dura that the herniated disc material was keeping closed. But I think when I would do the, the side movement, it would kind of open up that tear. And that's what made me almost pass out of physical therapy. So I just at the follow-up with the cortisone injection doctor, I went back in. He said, what's your pain level like? And I told him, I, I don't feel much better since the trip. And he said, well, this is where we consider either doing a second shot or doing the surgery. And I had heard before that the cortisone only has limited returns. And I didn't want to use up all of my cortisone shots for a lifetime with just being 41. And so then we, we told him, yeah, we, we're going to do surgery. So, yeah. And, and again, because it was so quickly from a certain level back to square one, there just wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of desire to then wait and see for another couple of months. Right. The second shot and potentially the third, third shot. Because there's around the three shots. to see. Mm-hmm if it might have had more lasting effects. And I think you were just at that point, just ready to try something that was going to be to address the actual situation. Right. That's right. Yes. So we had, uh, there was a young couple at our church where the husband had had a herniated disc surgery, uh, maybe a year or two before mine. So he really loved the practice that he had the surgery with. So that's where we went. Um, And they initially scheduled the surgery for September 4th. But then I got a phone call one day that said, hey, we have an opening, a cancellation for August 29th. So, yeah. So the herniated disc was June 29th. And my surgery was August 29th. That is quick, I feel like, uh, in the world of. It didn't feel like it. No, it didn't. (laughs) And I had my boss saying, what are they doing down there? Why aren't they taking care of you? But now when I look back, I can say like, oh, it was only only a couple months wait. Yeah. But when you're lying on the couch. Right. Basically close to 24 hours a day and in near constant discomfort, at least and sometimes severe pain. Pain. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it was a hard series of months on you. Yeah. Yeah. This was also stretching back into back to April. April, Right. So, and I remember, I remember clear as day, those feelings of being useless, feeling oddly guilty. Like I I was punishing myself for some stupid because I couldn't work, uh, feeling like I would be stuck like that forever, that my life was just now on uh, pause and I would never get back. So I really like, it's depressing. I remember that specifically you, you voicing those sorts of thoughts and frustrations. Is this mm-hmm. ever going to end? Yeah. When is this going to end? Yeah. It just seemed, even though it was just eight weeks between the yeah. herniation and the surgery, it was a long eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about the surgery was intended to be outpatient Yes. And very straightforward. Yes. And it turned out not to be. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So I was supposed to, you know, go in in the morning and come home that night. But it turns out that my herniated disc material was glued to the dura that surrounds the nerve tissues with scar tissue. So when the doctor went in to remove it, he had to leave a chunk of the tissue stuck to my nerves. 
and there was a was that tear that I mentioned. So he had to kind of patch it. I, I can't. I think he did a blood patch. And so therefore, I had to lay on my back for three nights, was it? I was in the hospital Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So so for three nights, I had to lay flat on the uh, in the hospital while they took care of me. Um, so I feel like that kind of that kind of saved me a little bit of dealing with some post-surgical pain because I was on IV pain meds and anti-inflammatories. But because some of that disc material is still there. Mm -hmm. It also led to a very, you had a very prolonged recovery period where you were, well, tell us about what your thoughts were, your fears were post-surgery. Okay. So I'm technically still pinched. So I had the surgery. Uh, so I guess it wouldn't be a 100% effective surgery because I'm still pinched. They couldn't get that material off. So it's still on my nerve but he did leave a hole in the bone to give my nerve some room to move. So for day to day, I'm, I'm actually fine. Like I barely feel it. It's just when I have a hard day or my back tighten up that I can start getting some leg pain again. But I didn't know that I was still pinched. It wasn't until like several weeks later that the doctor said, Oh yeah, well, you're still pinched. <laughs> so I had, surprise. yeah, surprise. So, you know, I wake up and, my leg is still numb. Um, I can't remember if I had the leg pain, but uh, I had the leg pain still. And, and I just remember the physician assistant standing over my bed and just like looked at me with this look of fear and said, well, that's because you're still pinched. <laughs> she said you're still pinched, but the doctor was like, no, you're fine. Um, but even after in the weeks following your surgery, the pain at times was so severe. Yes. Yeah, so that is, that is a normal part of the healing process after a microdisectomy. So that's not uh, limited to just my experience. So what they don't prep you for the, what the doctors don't prep you for is that you're going to have post-surgical inflammation and about two and a half weeks after surgery, my pain came back to like almost pre-surgery level. And I was popping Tylenol every six hours, like even waking myself up in the middle of the night, like on a timer. And then I finally called the nurse and she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to kill your liver. Uh, so she gave me uh, a medrol dose pack, a steroid, and that knocked the pain right out. So it was just post-surgery inflammation, but nobody had warned me about that. So and the, it and freaked me out. Yeah. That you were concerned. What well, your fear that had re herniated. And that's all you think about after surgery is did I re herniate? Did I re herniate? Um, because the, the healing is not linear. Um, there's lots of step forwards and, but two, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And I really feel like they should do a better job of preparing you for that. I don't know. I can, I can think that I would have done better, but I feel like if I had known that it's not just wake up from surgery, wait two weeks and go back to work. It's, it's a process. It's a slow process of ups and downs. And, and it was um, physically draining, but also emotionally draining. So knowing what you know now mm -hmm. with your your surgery and post-surgery experience, mm -hmm. would you, if you had to do it all over again, would you opt for surgery again? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
it wasn't easy. Um, but I feel so much better and I can live my life normally. And I, I can't imagine delaying that, that pain longer than I had to. Um, so that was four years ago. I can't believe it was four years ago. You know, you, like I said, I feel like I was stuck in that moment. But now I can look back and say, oh, my goodness, that was four years ago. And I feel so much better. Yeah, so not everybody has this. There's no two same experiences with Mm-mm. the surgery. We were expecting an outpatient surgery with for you to have immediate pain relief. Right. And that was not that that has some people's case is yes. that way mm-hmm. that they are just they have the surgery and instantly they feel better. Right. But that was not your experience. No. And we did not know that that was such a significant possibility. Right. But in the in end, though, yeah. Again. Yes, I would. All right. uh, is there anything that you know now that you wish you knew heading into surgery? For that pre-surgery period, what would you do to prepare yourself or prepare mm-hmm. your home mm-hmm. post-surgery? What should people expect post-surgery to be like? That sort of thing. Pre-surgery, I would just make sure I have a meal plan in place. You want healthy food that's going to keep your bowels moving. Um, pr- meal prep ahead of time. Keep your food at a location in the fridge or freezer where you don't have to bend to pick it up. Keep your floors clear because you're going to have to be walking a lot after surgery. That's part of the recovery process. And you want to have a support system in place. I would not have been able to do it without Dan. He was an amazing help to me. Um, But I know there's lots of you who are single moms or just live on your own, single parents. Reach out and find someone to help. Even if you're not a church member, Call a local church. They have meals. A lot of them have meals set aside and frozen, just waiting for somebody in the community to ask for help. Um, they would also know of anybody who is does home care for work. I think there's a website called care.com where you can go on and look for people who do home care or just the na- uh, next door app. Somehow get help to help you uh, for your post-surgery experience. And post-surgery, my biggest, biggest piece of advice is get stuff to occupy your mind because you do not want to be dwelling on yourself. Um, You're going to feel every little random muscle spasm, random nerve twitch. And if you're not just occupying your mind, it can really send you down some emotional spiral which I feel like it did for me. (laughs) I wish I heard on a podcast not too long ago, a doctor say that the people who do better emotionally with a herniated disc are the ones who look at it as a challenge that they can overcome. And I didn't know that ahead of time. I focused on the woe is me (laughs) aspect of it. Um, What else? Get a bidet. Get a bidet. <laughs> yeah, I remember one of the things that was most helpful to us was someone had lent us mm-hmm. a uh, set of rails. Medical handles. Side yeah. Of the toilet for you to sort of help you get yourself up and down. Yeah. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Little things like that, that you don't mm-hmm. necessarily anticipate. Is there anything else that you can think of that was stuff that we bought? One example I 
that just came to mind for me was uh, we also bought you a walker post-surgery mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, because that recovery period was so long. But the walker that I I just went to the pharmacy and got the best walker I could find, but it was a little too low. Yes. And so that, that lent to a, that led to its own problems. <laughs> uh, so I think things like that, is there anything else that those types of things that you would say, make sure you have this on hand? Uh, a grabber, get two grabbers for when you drop the first set of grabbers. <laughs> like the claw. The claw. Kind of yep. Uh, a lot of people recommend, I didn't have this, but we had the handlebars, but some people like the toilet seat risers um, for sitting and standing easier. Figure out how you're going to shower. You're not going to be, especially if you don't have help, you're not going to be climbing in and out of the, the tub. So you'll be probably doing some just sponge bathing for a little bit. Uh, when else did we buy? That was I bought a lot of nightgown dresses or pajama shirts. So that I, I didn't have to bend over when using the bathroom. Everything revolves around the bathroom, I feel like. <laughs> How do I poop? That's the biggest question on the forums. <laughs> the pressing matter yes. that we discussed yes. here on Bed Back and Beyond. Yes. behavior. <laughs> uh-huh. I do plan to do a, a video on tips for post-surgery and the most uh, asked questions in the forum for microdisectomy. Uh, Chris, is there anything else that you would tell someone who is either considering surgery or is in that post-surgery period and feels like their recovery is taking longer than they would Mm -hmm. like? For considering surgery, I would say drown out all the noise. You are going to have so many people wanting to tell you their opinion or the horror story of their uncle's dog's nephew's owner. Like everybody has a horror story that you, they want to tell. And that's part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is to get positive stories of recovery out there for you who are considering surgery and things like that. Um, People are trying to be helpful, but in the end it just causes more stress. And for anyone who is currently recovering in surgery, just know that it is not a linear recovery. You are going to have random muscle spasms, nerve twitches. The pain might come and go. It's all part of the normal healing process. So don't freak out. You're doing okay. And you can get through this. And I want you to know that you can get through this. And in a year from now, I want you to come back and say, I can't believe that was a year ago. Yeah, I remember that you had that again, it was late August that you had that surgery and it was the middle of October and Christine was still really struggling with things. And I was starting to get a little down, about, mm-hmm. you know, how long is this for her? Like how long is she going to be dealing with this? And it was, there was an older gentleman in our church and he was talking to me about his his daughter had a back surgery and he had a back surgery. And I just kind of commented off the cuff at how long it seemed to be taken. And he said, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to take some months more, but she'll get through it and Mm. you'll be okay. Mm. And just hearing that, like, Oh, it is going to take months more kind of just powered me through like, okay. It's that expectation that because we expected almost immediate relief, two months felt like an eternity. And knowing that it, in some cases, is is four months or six months, that just sort of took a lot of the pressure off. Like, okay, we are doing okay. And like you said, it, you do get through it. 
easy for me to say, <laughs> but you did get through it. I got through it with your help. 100%. And I would like to say that it is now, I'm now to the point in my life where I can look back and say, thank goodness for that herniated disc, because we had some benefits come because of that. Um, so that's huge. Like to, to look and see what are the blessings in disguise that are coming and, and, yeah, so now I can say, oh, I'm so glad that herniated just happened <laughs> because of this. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of Bed, Back, and Beyond. If you have a story of recovery that you would like to share from a neck or back injury, please reach out. I would love to interview you on here and post it on YouTube. And until then, good luck, and you can do this.